Welcome to Find the Path podcast. Well, no, Find the Path Adventures after party go. number seven. You can tell uh, uh, Jess has a lot of intros. <laughs> I will say that the cat is away and the mice are going to play. Woo! And for some reason you got elected as, as MC, so it's going to be extra chaos. It wasn't election. It was dictatorship. I took it for myself. <laughs> yeah, Jess just said she was going to do it. We're like, okay. To, to be fair, she, she controls two thirds of, uh, of the people here, so... <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. I certainly don't I control my myself. So. <laughs> what um, my place. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. <laughs> Regardless, I'm Jessica Jenkins, and I am joined by Jordan Jenkins and hey, Ross Scoggin. Hello. And today, we're going to talk about video games that inspire us, and also just video games because they're cool and awesome and we like them. Absolutely. Plus, a lot of them are really great inspiration for both character and plot beats. So, yeah, hopefully you'll uh, get something cool to take away today. It's true. And, of course, if you have any question, regardless of what questions they might be, toss those in the chat and we will do a Q&A at the end. Absolutely. I'll be keeping track of it. And if I miss it, please feel free to let me know because I am not I'm not all seeing. So <laughs> I will do my best. Not yet. Not with that attitude. Uh, one, one thing to maybe cut down on some of the questions that we can't answer. Um, we have not seen an early copy of Pathfinder 2E Remastered, mm. so we cannot comment on anything in that. Um, yeah. So for more on that, go find a YouTube video of somebody who did get an early copy. Um, we're going to be getting one soonish, I think, but um, yes. we haven't seen it yet. No, not yet. We can just make some stuff up if you want that, though. <laughs> Let, let's do our best guesses of things we think are going to happen. Those are if kinds we were doing of events. <laughs> if we were doing it, what would we do? We could answer that kind of question. Yeah. But no, our topic instead is going to be uh, video games that inspire us. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so I guess I'll start... Um, so lately, I've been playing a whole lot of Baldur's Gate 3. Like, <laughs> like so much. Like an unreasonable amount, truly. I think I've Play, done three playthroughs or something? I, I don't know. You have, done, you have done three playthroughs back to back. Not no break in between. Some of them any simultaneous. <laughs> Some of them were simultaneous, but yeah. Yeah, you um, and Heather, I think, are in accord on this one because yeah, Heather's also gone insane. Heather's done it like five or six times now. <laughs> yeah, Heather's played, I think, five playthroughs. Well, I know. You know you I, I know sure. she's done five. I don't know if she's. Yeah, I don't know if she's done a full six. Mm. You do your X playthrough. You do your Y playthrough. Anyway, that game has a lot of replayability is what we're saying. The thing about that game that's really great is all of the quest design in that game is like top tier exceptional, like something you did in the first act is actually going to impact something that happens in the third act. And so I think what you can take, there's a lot of things you can take away. Obviously, it's Baldur's Gate, so it's set in D&D &D world, etc. Mm. But what's really interesting, especially from like a game mastering point of view, is those... Um, I mean, Rick does it pretty pretty well, obviously, as well. But there are things you can see in that beginning space of a game or people you can meet or, you know, actions that players and characters can take that when they show up or have that impact that sh that's at the end of the game or toward the middle of the game or later in the game, um, it's like mind blowing. It's like, <laughs> oh, I rescued this person because I was just being a nice person. 
and actually they're really helpful at the end or actually they're here and they're going to give me this this thing that i didn't realize that i would even want or need like that kind of stuff is really cool not a lot of video games do it or if they do it they don't do it well or they do it like um, once and that's yeah, they, it. They do the they false, do once. Yeah, they do the false choice a lot of times mm. where it doesn't actually matter whether you do the good or the bad thing. You're going to get the same outcome, right? Yeah, but this that's is like you. a million times. So like small spoiler, it's not really, a, it's it's such a tiny thing you could miss it. Uh, small Baldur's Gate spoiler. Mm. There's a gnome that's tied to a windmill that's being like mm. tortured by Jeez. goblins. Yeah, I haven't actually got a place be very dark, to play by the way. So yeah, that's Yeah, well, wow. I mean, yeah. You can choose to save them. You can accidentally kill him by not hitting the brake. <laughs> um, okay, so I may have done that one time because reading is fundamental and I was a failure at that. You Oof. were a failure. Uh, if you rescue him, he's just like, you know, you can like talk to him a little bit and then he's like, well, bye. I always play, I was playing a drow so he didn't love me because mm. he was a deep gnome or whatever. Um, you can then see him again later and rescue him a second time. Oh. And then he'll tell you about this whole plot that if you don't talk to him and you don't rescue him in that first place, you never even get Hmm. This entire little subplot of stuff. Interesting. Um, which is really cool. Because, like, that's so not tangent. It's not a main <clears> quest. <throat> it's not on a quest map. It's not important. Except that it's important if you are happen if you happen to like this little gnome guy, right? Yeah. I mean, well, that's some good it, storytelling right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, Jess and I played the first playthrough together. Um, and we felt I felt like we thoroughly explored everything. Like, we tried to do every single thing that we could, especially in Act mm-hmm. 1, to find all the hidden stuff. And then Jess starts a second playthrough and I'm watching her play and I'm like, wait, we didn't find that. <laughs> so there's a lot of little gems in there that like it does a good job of like the story adapts really well to whether you do or don't find certain things. So like, for instance, um, a lot of people don't find all of the companions. And if you don't, those quest lines don't happen. Like mm-hmm. all of their like character specific quest lines don't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, a little weird if you're somebody who had found all of those people. But the game adapts so well to the choices that you make, even the choices not to do things. Um, that mm-hmm. it's really impressive. Yeah. It's probably the closest to actually playing tabletop that I've seen in a video game. Yeah, it, it honestly, like, it was one of those games that I was like, like, it, there's not a lot of games that I play personally where I do, like, the saves coming thing where I want to see what all the options are and mm-hmm. kind of play through it. This game actually made me want to do that because there's a lot of, like, subtlety to a lot of what is done and whether it's going to have a huge consequence or not i did well that's why i ended up playing it three times because i didn't go the right way in act two and i missed an entire like swath of content and i was like well i better replay this that's not even to mention the dark urge playthrough which is completely different like not like game mechanically or anything like that but like the story is wildly different yeah yeah no they they did a really good job the other thing that i'll say about baldur's gate is uh baldur's gate 3 i haven't played Mm -hmm. the other ones the other ones have uh, some similarities but oh okay maybe i'll play i don't know older games and their mechanics just aren't always all that i mean it is second edition D &D, so i don't know how much you want to delve into that that's fair that's fair (laughs) yeah i'm good it's a little rough uh the other thing they do really well if you're if you're curious about how to get your character on an arc um because i know we we talk about character arcs a lot and we talk about characters Mm. but the companions in Baldur's Gate have really great character arcs, especially it's going to sound cliche because everybody loves this guy, but uh, Asarian's character arc is done really well. And it's very interesting. And of mm. course, it has that, you know, romance subplot stuff where you can like make them like you and do the romance stuff or whatever. But it's the only time I think I've ever seen where sometimes you have to make the decision that you think is best for the character, even if the character doesn't like it for their arc to make sense and so hmm. it's kind of cool so anyway um if you want a master class in character arcs that game's really good at that um 
Also, and just yes, uh, the it's characters always a Saurian all yeah, the time. Yeah, the, the <laughs> characters are really solid. I feel I feel bad for the other voice actors because Neil Newbaum, who uh, plays a Saurian, destroys it. He is Kill so days. good. Just so, so funny, good. so like on topic, like there, there there's a reason why every like cutscene that I've seen that people have posted on YouTube is of Asarian. <laughs> um he's so good. Um and so I feel bad because like his arc feels so solid and then like some of them fe- seem a little bit odd. Um like uh mm-hmm. like Shadow Hearts is a little weird if you go depending on how you go. I like Shadow Hearts too. I there's they miss some places where like you should be able to comfort people and you can't. But um no, I think all the companions have really cool arcs. And I like all of the companions. It's just... Yeah. Oh, I definitely like all the companions. I just happen to be a sucker for, like, a sad vampire. Oh. Mm. Is that a spoiler? Technically, yes. Yeah. Okay, fine. Jessica! I mean, to be fair, it's obvious it. within the first three seconds of seeing him. You know. Like, if you look at him one time, if you've been on the internet... I mean, you know, I've, like, I've heard... I think I've heard that before. I'm not actually upset. It's fine. Anyway, I'm kind of a sucker for that archetype. Heather and I share this in common. Um, oh, good. Somebody in the chat says they know absolutely nothing else about the game except for the fact that, <laughs> that I just said. So it's fine. I, um, I will say, as a straight man, I love me some Carlock. Carlock's also great. I, love I like Carlock a yeah. lot. Yeah. Hmm. I look forward to playing this game. At some point, I do have to check it out. We're going to have to get this for Ross. I also want to buy it for Rick because he hasn't played it yet either. Oh, man. Saying, Rick hasn't played it? Four, yeah, four player co op stream. Ooh, yeah. that could be fun. It is fun. It is fun. So, anyway, I... not just this is not just an advertisement for Baldur's Gate. <laughs> the point of it is. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're actually not paying us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this has been a million, um, a million ways to say it's really great. But the thing is, um, and it's interesting because I was—I don't remember who I was talking to. Somebody was saying that they really hate Asarian because he hates everything good that you do. But I have never played an evil playthrough, and mm. I have romanced him every time. Hmm. So he's not as evil mm. as he seems because he has a really great character arc. Okay, and you don't discover it if you don't take him with you. Um, it's the same way with all the companions. So being going back on topic, how does this inspire you, Jess? It teaches me how to make really great character arcs. This is what I've been yeah. talking about this whole yeah. time. You yeah, got to no. start somewhere, right? Like you start as the evil. Oh, I hate when you're doing nice things um, guy. <laughs> and then you slowly are influenced by the people and situations around you until you become just only slightly annoyed that there's a good thing happening. Okay, I know we were going to leave the Q&A for the end, but I have gotten this question a couple of times. How many boyfriends do you currently have, Jessica? Yes, Jessica, how many boyfriends do you have? <laughs> I have zero real-life boyfriends. Um, and One I husband. have three boyfriends that are all Astarian. <laughs> I have played three times. Now, Actually, the, clone the first spell. playthrough, he rejected me, and I ended up with oh. Gale, but that was his own fault. Um, Interesting. So. You know, you well, know, it's I, ju- thought, you know- I thought it was a game where you could romance everyone. And typically when I play a video game, <laughs> like when I played Cyberpunk, it was everybody. I have all the boyfriends and all the girlfriends in that game. But it's weirdly like they don't like when you date each other sometimes hmm. in this game. Uh, yeah, like there, there are the, the romance. Everybody all at once thing is not really a thing you can do. Um, now, it is fun to get them to like you just because you happen to be nice to them. And then they're like, um, Lazelle's my favorite one. When you reject Lazelle, she spends a lot of time going like, well, you're never going to find out how great it could have been. And I love that about her. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, three boyfriends, all Astarian. Well, mm. Gale in the first one. So I guess technically Gale and then Astarian. All right, fair enough. But that's Astarian's fault. 
<laughs> yeah, my my uh, solo playthrough. I did the Carlock with uh, uh, Jess, and then I'm doing Shadowheart with uh, my solo playthrough that I'll never mm. finish. Mm. So, <laughs> well, no, time. Can, That's, you know. it's so good. I don't want it to be finished. I just don't have the time. <laughs> you can yeah. have multiple. Like you can date them all at once. It's just there's also like a depth to the romance, like where you go from just dating to like actually being in love with them or whatever. That stuff mm. is is harder. And then there's like uh, there's like a poly option. Um, but the poly option feels bad if you know anything about Astarian. I don't think it feels as bad with Shadowheart, mm. but it feels bad with Astarian. Anyway, mm. this is not the Let's Talk About Baldur's Gate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm happy to it talk about be. Baldur's Gate forever. I spent so many hours of my life playing that game. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm going to stop talking and let somebody else talk, though. All right. Um, you want to go next? Okay. Yeah, we'll do this as a round robin. Works for me. Um, so I suppose, uh, for me, the first, uh, game series that I want to talk about, uh, when it comes to inspirations for characters and plot arcs and things like that, uh, I really want to talk about the Fire Emblem series. Um, I am a big fan of, I'm a big fan of tactical RPGs in general. Um, so I always find them to be very entertaining. The Fire Emblem series specifically, I think does a lot of really cool things for your tabletop RPG games in that, um, it's a very, it's not as in depth, of course, as the tabletop game can be, because I mean, what can be? But that said, there's a variety of uh, a variety of character archetypes, a variety of different storylines that go through it. Um, the games usually involve a lot of themes like war, romance, friendship. Uh, there's politics usually involved, mm. um, and you know you can usually. Um, one of the interesting things about uh, the games is that a lot of them actually have not only um, uh, you, you actually pair up characters in the games. So you can pair them up based off of like, hey, we're like brother and sister. So we get along super well and we fight better together because, you know, like we're just good family. Just or... like you can do that in uh, first edition. There's a background trait for that. Yeah, How many yeah. boyfriends do you have in that game, Ross? <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends, it... I guess. I mean, I, I, um, so the interesting thing is just about every character can have relationships with a bunch of different characters. So I've had, a have had quite a few like pair ups of over the years. I mean, it's like dozens probably at this point from across all the various <laughs> games. I mean, um, and you know, usually, um, for the most part, and it's the most recent games that actually have a player avatar character. Most of the early ones actually don't, um, mm -hmm. huh. So, yeah, technically it's like you don't. It's just maybe if you highly identify with one. Uh, ironically, one of the characters in one of the games is actually called Ross. Um, wow, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, to be fair, there's like 800 Fire Emblem games. There, so. There's there's a lot. There's a lot of characters. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, let's see here. But uh, for the most part, yeah, it it's interesting because these various relationships do actually build upon how you actually play units together but it also all kind of goes into endings, which may change depending on which characters uh, fight together the most, which ones are you know kind of most together. And then um, really a lot of the plot lines too, I think follow a lot of, um, in this case, uh, in this case, War for the Crown actually, I think, does a really good job. And I won't spoil anything like uh, plot-wise about War for the Crown, but um, I think War for the Crown closely follows a lot of things that like Fire Emblem does um, mm -hmm. in a lot of the games. Um, and so I think, uh, actually, interestingly enough, Oliver 
my my character in War for the Crown has a lot of I think DNA is the best way to say it uh, in common with a lot of characters from the various Fire Emblem games. He's not necessarily based off of any one particular character, but I think that he would get along with a lot of them. Could they make War for the Crown as like Fire Emblem War for the Crown? They probably could. I mean, you could probably fan mod it if y'all wanted to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have the ability to do that. Me personally. Um, we look would forward be... to the AU fan fiction. <laughs> yes. I love an Ike uh, and Oliver. <laughs> hey, you know what? Ike's a good guy. I like him. So right, sure. The only, know, literally Ike the only thing I know about Ike is from Super Smash Brothers. That's like my entire knowledge. <laughs> He's good to play in Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, I was just saying. I, I, I do really well with Ike. I no, have a friend uh, who like mains Ike in Smash Bros, and it's like <laughs> that guy always killing me. That's what I yeah, know about he's, him. Yeah, uh, he's he's pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the interesting thing is, um, Ike in the original game he's in is actually more of like a speedster character. He's more oh. like the fast skill base. But in the second like game, yeah, yeah, he's almost more like a Marth. But in the second game, yeah, he's like a powerhouse and like smashes things really hard. So uh, he, he took the off season to go get swole. Basically, yeah, like it is actually funny that you mentioned that because if you look at the character model from the first game versus the character model from the second game, he's like twice as big. He it's, got it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the man so. discovered protein powder and got <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I recommend giving those games a playthrough. They can be pretty hard depending on what you know which game it is. Like some of them have um, variable difficulty levels, but a lot of the early games don't so i will yeah. warn you about that ahead of time like they can get harder but they stay at a like minimum level of difficulty um mm -hmm. so i will i will tell you that ahead of time the more recent games are a lot more variable so you can kind of play those more how you want to but uh, it's also like in that series like if a character dies they die like that's it oh, they're gone uh, yeah. well, so characters. Yeah, uh, there's been a lot of like restarting levels for me where I'm like, no, no, yep. I need you. Yeah, I uh, truly understand the, well, I got to reload. Yep, <laughs> you're my only healer. I needed you. That's, that's why uh, they have Iron Man mode in some of these games is so that mm, you can't do that, which makes yeah, it all the true. worse. Yeah. And I like I said, the, the difficulty can go up. <laughs> it yeah. can always go up. Uh, but no, yeah, thank you. Uh, but still, I think a uh, good series. I recommend people give it a shot if you get a chance to. You can get your uh, Oliver slash War for the Crown vibes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess we'll move on to my first one. Um, so I like I get a lot of inspiration from games that are really good and like suck me in. Um, mm. That's like my I will leave those games feeling very inspired to like write, make a new character or something like that. And uh, one of the top ones for me is Assassin's Creed. Um, the newer games haven't been as good. I'll, I'll fully admit, um, but the interesting thing with Assassin's Creed is that there is such a variety of different types of characters that you play through. And the the arcs that they go through are very unique, despite the fact that you are playing kind of the same game every time, right? Sneak around, mm. kill people, dip the eagle feather in the blood or whatever it is. Let's not talk yeah. about the Viking one then, because that doesn't feel like Assassin's Creed at all. Mm. That's what I mean. I, like some of the, the, the Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla was a problem for me because, yeah, I... I have the problem of like I I played this the first Assassin's Creed game right like I, with Altair, which was basically a tech demo like it all took place in like one city you know doing all this stuff and that character admittedly didn't have a lot of it was a little flat on the personality I think they've got really better as they went but it's always interesting to me to see the 
evolution because they you kind of do the the first character 20th level progression in those games mm -hmm. where you are starting out as you're still effective but you're not like mm -hmm. you know taking on 12 guards at once effective <laughs> right and i always look at those games really interestingly when it comes to like the blending mechanics and and when i think about like you know, hey, we're going to do this observation stakeout stuff. It always makes me think of that. And then the other thing that really inspires me is the locations. Um, mm. So for those who don't know and have, have not like looked into how they make those games, they are surprisingly historically accurate um, in a <laughs> lot of places. They have to make uh, compromises. So like um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, for instance, that is not the size of Greece. Greece is much larger than that, but they, mm. you know, compress a bunch of different places down to make it so that you have like one different place. And I take a lot of inspiration from that. So like when we started um, Mummy's Mask mm. and it was like, oh, we're going to be playing this in, uh, you know, an ancient Egyptian setting. I was like, okay, I have to pick back up Assassin's Creed Origins mm. and start playing through that. And, you know, I think that the the setting and the vibes of it and being able to like experience that setting really helped me get into the mood of the character, right? So like it's kind of one of those like interesting things like if we ever did like um you know War for the Crown is a good uh, example like if they had one that was more like, you know, highbrow um political intrigue kind of a thing, that would be what I would be going for, right? Is like, mm. you know, what's the game that is going to help me put myself into that setting to really be good. Um you know, Tyrant Scrap wasn't a good one either because, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think not they have for the, that uh, game anyway. Yeah, the survival for... horror version of Assassin's say, Creed. Yeah, yeah. I, I played more survival horror games. Um, but the yeah. other thing I like about that those games is it's not even the main character; it's the side characters. Um, like mm -hmm. in the Ezio um, trilogy, like Leonardo da Vinci, super cool character. Like they did a really interesting yeah, like take on that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like that's the interesting part is how the characters play off of each other. So like I mm. look at it as, you know, what is the, like how does the character's arc be, Im be impacted by the people they interact with? Um, and I always think that's a really interesting, um, like a dynamic to think about in, in my own character arcs because I do start most of my characters um, for the pod with a character arc in mind of what I want them to do, but I stay open to major events or character interactions kind of mm. redefining those relationships and goals. So I think that's always um, a really interesting thing that I take from those games is like the, what not just the main character is going through, but how his reactions to the changing world around him affect who he becomes. Hmm. Well, and that's the thing with tabletop is part of what makes a character arc um, is having a foil, somebody they play off of and events. And since players don't typically know what those big events are going to be, it's sometimes nice to plan arcs with someone like in Tyrant's Grasp, Darcy and Elsa are siblings. Darcy is the pessimist. Elsa is the optimist. And there's mm. they foil each other. Right. There's yeah. a way for them to uh, highlight those differences between one another. And then that can help progress an arc. Um, mm. So things like that, you can talk with your fellow players and kind of decide. Um, it's a lot of figuring out your place in the party, because if four people show up to play and they all want to play the uh the the curt like quiet no nonsense one that's not going to be a fun group yeah or it's going to be a very quiet weirdo, one at the very right? least yeah <laughs> they're just all going to be quiet and look at each other like don't ask me or yeah. whatever <laughs> is anybody going to break the ice anyway <laughs> is, anyone break the ice? is anyone going to talk to the person we need to talk to <laughs> yeah well that's why like there's the whole like uh five-man band like trope and everything like mm. that is like there's usually in assassin's creed you're playing a character who is self-sufficient and can do stuff alone 
Mm. Um, there are exceptions, like Black Flag is a good example where, like, um, you know, you have an entire ship that you have mm. to have other people helping you to get around. Um, you know, uh, Odyssey's kind of the same way. Um, and I think that's the interesting thing is, like, for, for role-playing purposes, we'd love to all make characters that stand alone and can do everything. Like, that's kind of what video games are good at, right? Is you're the mm. person perfectly suited to do everything by yourself. But it's very different in TTRPGs, so you have to look at like a team dynamic a little bit more like a tactical strategy game like you know mm -hmm. like xcom or mm -hmm. fire emblem or one of those um for like you know i guess tactical comparisons mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah but uh yeah it, yeah for those who were commenting in the uh, in the chat about the uh the historical accuracy um they do have actual historians that are on staff who help them with uh things they look at historical maps um they actually put in a lot of stuff it's why they have the uh oh gosh what is it the educational thing experience mode or whatever um yeah i, I it's called a discovery tour I discovery think. tour I went, that's what it is yeah i went to games for change a few years back you went too um and the historian that worked on unity the french revolution game that was kind of unity meh. yeah it was unity unity yes uh was there and they were talking about how they built the maps of the city and how they used the history to to build kind of around that um it was pretty interesting but yeah i love hiring a historian yeah i, I will say assassin's creed is interesting because it's one of the games where i play it and i meet somebody that i'm like wait was this a real person and then go on on wikipedia and like look the person up so it's very yeah, interesting there's a lot that, of that in that game and that vibe of how they kind of play around with actual history but you know then they made a big strong lady i could play in odyssey and i was in <laughs> dude okay Fair. yeah Cassandra's no, so, the best <laughs> here's the other fun thing so we we don't do a lot of homebrew um i did dip my toe into doing some of the homebrew stuff and assassin's creed odyssey was like a huge inspiration for a homebrew setting that i set because i wanted to do like uh you know the greek isles and have like a lot of like sailing around and going to different locations and like mm. yeah that game's got major vibes um as <laughs> far as um that um, and you know, maybe controversial. Cassandra is way better than uh, Alexios. <laughs> this is <laughs> like, not way even better. a discussion. Like, this way is better. just yeah. truth. It's kind of like Femshep and Dude Shep. Femshep is obviously <laughs> the only good one. I mean, I played Male Shep, but that's on I you. Was that young voice actor is not as good. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, I guess from there, I'm gonna hop into um, it kind of boats. I'm gonna use boats as my like segue. Um, there's this game called Spiritfarer, wildly different from all the games we've talked about so far. Hmm. Um, it's like a quiet game. I think it's even an indie game. I don't know. Um, but the whole point and premise of this game is you have a boat and you are ushering spirits through acceptance of their life and their unfinished business and then to the afterlife. So you're essentially like almost like a Karen or something, um, ushering spirits along the river sticks, except hmm. it's also... A, a base builder type of a game almost like they each have rooms um you can add a kitchen you have to feed them meals you have to take them places um but it is literally a game of picking up people learning about them helping them like realize whatever their unfinished business was or whatever they needed to deal with before they're gone and then saying goodbye to them Interesting. which means it's devastating like it's so i cry yeah. so much in that game but it's beautiful mm. um but that game came out right around the time, or I played that game, right around the time we started Tyrant's Grasp. And mm. um, some of Ailsa is in that game. Like, mm. we talk about, like, DNA mm. of a character. Some of Ailsa's DNA comes from that game. This idea of tending the dead. Like, Ailsa ended up being a grave, uh, like a gravekeeper. Gravekeeper? Hmm. Is that a word? 
Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think so. Gravekeeper. Graveyard yeah. tender. Anyway, that whole idea like was super inspired by that because your character isn't sad. Um, your mm. character is is kind of bright and cheery and having a good time and it's like lovely. Um, but the content around that character is sad. And so it's Tyrant's Grasp, right? Tyrant's Grasp mm. is sad. Spoiler alert, Tyrant's Grasp is sad. Um Yeah, yeah not going to plot, called but it the is crime sad. podcast for a good reason. Yes. Yeah. And so um it just had good vibes, right? Like that that vibe of like things can be beautiful even if things are hard and sad and mm. people are dying. Um Yeah, that that's a game honestly like it's it's kind of all about saying goodbye because like yeah. the most emotional impacting parts is when you have to say goodbye to somebody that you really liked having on your little boat. Mm. Yeah. Cuz you work really hard to get to know them and to get them whatever their business is um you you make the meals that they like like you do all of these things to care for these people and the whole point of is it of it is that you have to say goodbye to them and mm. you do that like one at a time as they're ready so it's very good it's very sad and very kind of it's like a thoughtful quiet game but um there's a catharsis in that yeah it's, yeah, it's nice absolutely. it's that's so that's where i got the inspiration for elsa well part of it the weird when part I... not so much but the <laughs> dealing with death and loss part Yes. Hmm. I haven't played that before. That sounds like a really cool game. It is a Switch game. You can play it on Switch. It's pretty cute. Yeah. It's not, I need oh, to get a Switch one of these days. <laughs> I think Although you can I play it on other I think games, it's on sure. other consoles. Yeah. I mean, I, I can look it up. You know, At some point, I'll get a Switch, too. I plan on it. Yeah, but it's it's delightful. So if you haven't played it and you're in the mood for like a quiet... Sad's not quite the right word. Uh, game. It's a great game. Hmm. Maybe bittersweet. Bittersweet. Yeah. Cathartic. Yeah. Hmm. So, Spirit Fair. Absolutely. Well, um, I guess we'll go from a uh, quiet, contemplative look at the dead to a much more, I suppose, frantic and um, horror-laced version as I go into my <laughs> next game. Still dead uh, things, though. <laughs> there are still plenty of dead things. You're so dealing that's, with the dead. <laughs> that's a segue. Let's go with it. Uh, <laughs> um, at any rate, uh, I would like to talk a little bit about the Resident Evil series. Um <laughs> As it is, it is one of my favorite game series. I do love them. I've played most of them. I still need to actually catch up on uh, seven I have to get eight, you to play Resident Evil 4 in VR. I'm just I, curious if you would oh, like it or if you would scream. <laughs> I would I would probably do both. I would love it. <laughs> I would love it and I would scream. Exactly. Well, that that's the that's the joy of it. You know, it's like it's yeah. terrifying. And also, you know, I'm up close and personal. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I love the Resident Evil series. And one of the reasons I love that game series so much, and I think it works so well, especially for Tyrant's Grasp, since it, it seems at the moment we are talking a lot more about at least our characters for Tyrant's Grasp. So again, not so much the plot. So you know, don't worry about spoilers. There um, is that it is spoilers. All about, we have characters. We have characters. I, I you know, I, <laughs> if that's that's news to you, then I apologize. Uh, I will throw myself out the window over here. No, uh, oh, <laughs> I man. won't do that. Uh, at any rate, you know, it, it, it is uh, very much a game about uh, making do with what you have. Um, it is a lot about not only resource management, but deciding when to hold them and when to fold them, when to run away and when to try to fight your way through the horde and get to, you know, what you're trying to do, which I feel like is a lot of, um, it's a lot of character decisions when you're actually playing the game. Sometimes you come across situations where it's like, Hey, you know, we can go this way to get to our objective, 
but it's going to be tricky. There's going to be a lot of things in the way. We may or may not have the resources to go through it. You know, what do we do? Um, and, you know, I think the, the Resident Evil games, first of all, just give you a good way to start preparing for that sort of um, that sort of mindset. But a lot of the characters also in Resident Evil um, are very much these sort of characters who simply push through things. Um, I know good, Rose, a lot of them are a good mm. example of I'm just in this situation and I'm just going to have to make the best of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, like, it's we, very tyrant's grasp in that way. Yeah. None of us sought out this sort of terrible thing that's happening. It just sort of happened. And now uh, <laughs> um, we'll try to survive as best we can. Um, Except for Leon. He thrives. Yeah. yeah seriously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk about getting swole, though. We'll talk about Chris later. Uh, <laughs> just say, actually, not a good point. Chris also thrives very well in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> just like Some people that. do, uh. like that Zom 100 uh, anime. Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. Talk about Gracious. thriving in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, but, uh, yeah, at any rate, um, I mean, like uh, I think I've said it before that Rosamund borrows a lot um, from Claire Redfield, um, who is mm. one of my mm-hmm. favorite character or characters from the series um i do think she's great um that said i think that you can look at a lot of these characters and a lot of the big takeaways are kind of what you do when when the chips are down you know um because a lot of these games also deal with the fact that you are kind of on your own like there is no backup coming there is nobody around True. like you know most of, most of the people around you are either dead or you know just unable to help one way or another or they're the bad guys yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> and it is very much about you know like in this horrible situation what lines is your character willing to cross um what risks are they willing to take what's worth it what's not you know, things like that. And I think those are good questions to ask yourself for any character, you know, like when, when it comes down to these serious situations that characters often find themselves in, because let's face it, we're talking about adventures, you know, bad things tend to happen to people at one point or another. True. Uh, even if it's not necessarily a horror game, it's still... Even if it's not Tyrant's Grass bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there's still going to be a situation where it's like, no, that's, that's bad. Like, you know, somebody should stop that. And so the question that you should ask yourself is, is your character that type of person? Or are they the survival type? Or are they the, you know, like wait and see type? Or are they the planner? Or, you know, how, how exactly do they deal with those situations? Yeah. Um, and there, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to those questions. It just very much helps you get in that mindset of thinking about it. Um, so yeah um if you if you look at it you know i I think that those are some really good games to check out also um you know much more actiony than uh than my first suggestion so if you are you know less the i like turn-based stuff and more the i want things happening around me all the time uh Mm -hmm. check this series out it's very interesting um i mean i feel like you know it's also pretty popular but you know I, i like it i like it a lot so nice nice yeah yeah cool um okay next one for me um is a series near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm a huge comic book nerd. Um, the Batman <clears throat> Arkham series of uh, video yes. games are so good. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, that started as a rhythm game, um, and that's why the combat feels so fluid and, I did and kind not of know rhythmic. That. Yeah, it started as a rhythm, uh-huh. as a rhythm game from Rocksteady, um, and then they got the Batman license and turned it into a beat 'em up game. <laughs> you know what? When I think of Batman, I think of rhythm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there is a certain rhythm there, uh, yeah. especially for the Batusi. 
Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, the interesting thing in those Arkham games isn't even necessarily like, okay, it's Batman, right? Like, cool. Um, the interesting things I find in there is um, it's one of the few games that touches on Batman being the world's greatest detective. Um, mm. So there's a lot of like investigations and doing analyses on different things, like reconstructing mm. crime scenes and stuff like that. And I think like, that's what I always think of when I'm thinking of like us doing like Hell's Rebels investigations mm. or trying to solve a puzzle or anything like that. I'm like, okay, I need to find a way to be the world's greatest detective, which I fail at always <laughs> all, all mm. the time. Um, so, but, sometimes the puzzles are really hard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, sometimes they're really hard and sometimes I overcomplicate them because mm. that's reasons. mostly what you do. <laughs> that's 100% what I do. Um, the other thing that's really interesting about those games is um, the lore that they put into them. So the interesting thing with like Batman Arkham Asylum, the first game is um, for those who are not familiar with Batman Arkham Asylum is where all of his like major villains go. So like basically if you're just a thug, you go to Blackgate, which is a normal prison. Um, Arkham Asylum is for the criminally insane. And throughout that game, you can see and find different like analyses of different characters that are like kind of the stuff that Batman does where he's like, okay, this person has an obsession with calendars. Um, you know, this will predict that he's going to do this kind of behavior, like having major holidays be, you know, times that he attacks or something like that, right? Cal calendar man. Um, and I think that's what's really interesting is it's a, it's a deep dive into like a bunch of different, very wild and crazy characters um, who suffer from some kind of flaw, right? Um, and I find it really interesting that, you know, it's not just about like catching... Um, the Riddler, for instance, is not necessarily about solving all of his puzzles. It's about understanding him mm -hmm. to the point that you can capture him, like make him make a mistake or something like that. So there's I think it's really good, like for villain uh, creation. That's something I get a lot of inspiration out of it mm -hmm. from is how to make a really nuanced villain by giving them like an obsession or a overall goal that just becomes like almost obsessive right mm -hmm. so there's a really good interesting like you know means justify the ends and like there's some wild and crazy characters in the batman universe pretty much all of them are in are well, in that game some, for over three games there's you know there's at least you know somebody in all of them but you know it, it does a really good interesting look also because every arkham game is one night um mm. canonically um, so what's really interesting about it is also the effects it has on batman himself on the the compromises he has to make the things that he has to justify doing to you know bring these people to justice and all that mm -hmm. i still say he would save himself a lot of trouble if he just killed his bad guys <laughs> you know what would have really saved him in all those games having a robin dang it it would also help maybe okay. if you know gotham uh, spent more on on their health care you know on a, Do you a know lot how of many things, side yeah. characters there are in the bad family yeah. that they could have too <laughs> Yeah. Bad yeah. Family. Now it's just uh, the, bats and they're cute little family. See, see, but you know, I don't know. I think you're right though. Being able to call in some backup would have been nice. I feel. The funny thing about it, he does have backup, right? Like he has mm. Alfred in his corner yeah. all the time, right? It's like, oh, Alfred, I need you to send me over the something something machine <laughs> right away, Master Bruce. Bup, 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 bup. Oh, and Oracle too in the first game. Oh yeah, Oracle uh, also in the in the first game. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I haven't played the, the second or third yet, but I still need to some point it's one of these they days. are fantastic and fantastically cheap on any platform hmm. so highly recommended um if, highly recommended check and read every single piece of lore in that game because it's solid super good very cool nice all right i'm gonna pull rachel and have two games because i want to talk about the same topic for both games <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough <sighs> somebody and had to topic, do it to be fair the topic is pacing 
Um, and the games are Cult of the Lamb and uh, Sakana of Rice and Ruin, which don't feel like they go together, but here's why they go together. <laughs> First of all, uh, Cult of the Lamb is a small indie game that I think if you don't download soon, you won't be able to because of how Unity changed their pricing structure. So, you know, oh, really? there's that. Oh. Um, well, because the developer doesn't want to pay Unity for every download. Anyway, also not the game platform podcast. Um, mm, true. But so Cult of the Lamb, you play a small lamb and you are cultivating a cult um, and destroying. <laughs> you're like a devil lamb. You're not a normal lamb. Let's be you fair. You are the, uh, well, I mean, you're a cult leader of an evil dude and you're destroying all of the other evil dudes that tried to kill your evil or that are that have trapped your evil dude. Mm. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Um, but the thing with it is you also have farming and you have relationship management and you have obviously going out and destroying the the bad guys. It's like Stardew so, Valley meets Binding of Isaac. Yeah, it's like a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of game modes. Um, and Sakuna of Rice and Ruin also has game modes. It's, that's a game where you're playing like a harvest goddess who was really spoiled and you accidentally ruined uh, gifts for some other god. I don't remember. Um, and so to get punished, you get sent to a monster island where you have to like grow rice and um, repent for being a jerk um <laughs> but it has game modes of literally learning how to farm rice through all of the stages of a season which is very cool and interesting and also a platformer where you have to go and get um resources so the reason i'm talking about both of these games and pacing is when you're running a game or when you're designing a game um so a module or an adventure for your friends to play or whatever um you can't have them always do the exact same thing or it gets stale. And so changing mm -hmm. that mode, changing from dungeon crawl to um, this is going to be a, you know, social situation with politics to um, this is a puzzle that you have to solve. Like finding that cadence of changing between game modes um, is really important to keeping people engaged in the game hmm. that you're playing, even in tabletop. And so that's how I snuck in both of those games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will say, um, speaking on that topic of changing things up, I do really like uh, Paizo for doing some unique mechanics occasionally. Um, mm. I don't know if this was actually a unique mechanic, but I remember um, Ross running us through an AP, and I won't say which one because it's going to be a spoiler. Um, and we had a uh, legal case, an actual legit legal case. Oh, that and was so, so like, fun. It was so fun. It was like Phoenix Wright, you know, wild and crazy, Galarian <laughs> some of that was um, Ross, legal that fight. Was which, sure. Some of that was Ross. but I, had, it was, I added some to that, yes. Yeah, but it was so much fun to get to switch from combat into how can we convince this judge that this person is innocent right mm. and like it was it's a huge breath of fresh air for a player um it's a chance to stretch muscles you don't really normally have right like most of the time we're in kind of like tactical problem solving mode um mm -hmm. so i found it like really refreshing like like war for the crown is kind of like that because it's so different than anything else that we do it's like wow this is yeah. like, even how do i play a character crown, who doesn't just blow things up <laughs> even in war for the crown there is combat Right. Yeah. There, is no, there, is. there is talking. There have been puzzles. So it's finding the right time. I forget. My day job is tangential to game design. And I remember reading um, there is like a ratio, uh, an amount of time you want people to spend in those things. And video games that are really addictive that you really like to play hit those ratios really well. Yep. Mm. Um, and it's like this balance between tension and relief, uh, which is why horror games are popular. You're not tense mm -hmm. all the time in a horror game. There no, are moments no. where you can relax. Um, yeah. And so that balance of changing modes, um, if you can master that, can take your game to the next level. That's what I got. 
also the games are both super fun and cute and if you want to learn a lot <laughs> about how rice grows hmm. uh sakana is how i learned about how you farm rice including how you like the difference between brown rice and white rice has to do with how much you beat it at the end hmm. which is interesting and like flooding versus drying out the rice patty anyway it's very interesting for that huh yeah, I was about to say, I, I always appreciate a good game where not only are you enjoying it, but you're also learning like real life skills. To be honest, anything. that is why I like a lot of the simulator games. Like, mm. uh, <laughs> it's it's okay. It's it's always weird to play like House Flipper or something like that, right? But it's like, <laughs> hey, you know what? I could actually maybe do this if I wasn't just a you know total well, idiot when it comes to tools, right? Like, I can <laughs> actually like you know maybe you've learned how to do this. Like, there's some really interesting ones out there um, that legitimately kind of teach you skills like uh the mm -hmm. pc building simulator actually is fairly accurate um mm. at, well, that's what at simulators are for together yeah so that, those are oh, always fun games yeah, yeah absolutely yeah Our watch simulator amazing. also surprisingly cathartic very peaceful <laughs> hmm i've heard that have again it is, not had it a chance is to weird play it, it doesn't but, make yeah. any sense but there is a piece to be found in just easily cleaning stuff you're Make. not on a time limit anything like that you're just you're just cleaning you're just cleaning Fake cleaning. Not even cleaning. You could have a car washer. You could go wash things outside. <laughs> but you don't. Yeah, that's the funny part about it is I absolutely could. And I will tell you guys, I bought that power washer from playing that game. <laughs> I was and like, used it dude, one this time. is so peaceful. I used it one time. And let me tell you, it was the it was the most fun I had doing a chore in my entire life. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I live in an apartment. They don't let me power wash it's things. It's true, yeah. But <laughs> uh... <laughs> But still, uh, all right. Well, let's. Uh, I guess I will go over my last game for our our session today, and uh, for this one, I think uh, a lot of you aren't going to be surprised by it. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not a person of surprises for the most part. With with me, what you see is what you get. <laughs> but uh, that said, I did want to talk a little bit about. Final Fantasy V. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. So those of you, of course, who have followed me um, on my Let's Plays the past couple of years know that I do love this game. Uh, it is um, one of the one of one of the ones in my life that speaks quite a bit to me. I've played it ever since I was a small child. And mm. uh, for this particular game, uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is less the the plot structure because it is. As much as I love it, I do re recognize it does have a fairly straightforward plot. You know, you go after um, big bad evil guy because he wants to destroy the world for no real reason, and just cause. Uh, yeah, because he he just doesn't like the world, and um, it's valid. You know, <laughs> he he truly doesn't, and you're like, okay, well, I do like the world, so I'm going to stop you. Um, and uh, I want to talk a little bit more about. Um, a little bit more about how much it is a cool sandbox of being able to switch up your tactics over the course of a game. Because one of the core gameplay aspects of Final Fantasy V is the job system, uh, which I think works. It doesn't, of course, it's not a one-for-one -one parallel, but it works very similarly to how the uh, second edition job and archetype system works. Um, so you have your class in second edition, but a lot of times you can get archetypes as well, mm. which gives you access to, you know, neat secondary abilities that you can use. And uh, I think that it's really cool that the game encourages you to pretty much the entire game, just switch up what you're doing all the time. Mm. Um, I mean, my specific playthroughs notwithstanding, because that's like the special challenge mode that I do because it's fun. Um, but playing the normal game, like you're switching your strategies all the time. People are you know, usually like, well, I'm like a fighter, but I have a backup of being able to cast some spells or, you know, like I'm a 
you know, I'm a thief, but I've also got the backup of, you know, being able to be really good with bows or something like that. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways you can do it, uh, which I think is a really good way to look at the archetype system in that it can help you um, add to a character. Uh, one of the interesting things about um, playing second edition and especially playing Nicolo is when I was sitting down to create him, I didn't really have a class specifically in mind at first because I'm like, mm. Nicolo's kind of an odd guy. Like he's done a I lot of a different. Rogue, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sometimes I do too. And like, Oh wait, traps. Yeah. That's me. Um, but um, for Nicolo specifically, you know, it was one of those things where when I was building him, I was like, what class fits best for him? And I settled on Rogue just because it was uh, more so than even Bard in second edition, more so the sort of you've done a lot of stuff and you just kind of have these odd jobs and this sort of, you know, these weird power sets. But then when I was thinking about archetype, I was like, what sort of archetype do I want to take for Nicolo? And, you know, kind of uh, looking into what powers would supplement his abilities well. I was like, he's already pretty good offensively. He has a lot of utility. So that's you know why I ended up settling on um, um, champion for his archetype, because I wanted some defensive abilities as well. Um, but that said, I think that uh, Final Fantasy V in particular is really good at helping you think about you know, like what powers would best supplement this group or what, you know, um, you know, what combination of skills do I want in this particular situation? And sometimes the answer is pretty obvious. You just want to, you know, hit things with as many heavy hammers as you can until it goes down. <laughs> uh, but sometimes the solution is not so much. And it's like, okay, well, I need to have somebody who, you know, handles this utility thing. And I need to have somebody who's healing in the background. And I need to have somebody who's, you know, um, blasting it with fire because there is, you know, like if I'm not doing all of these things simultaneously, I'm probably dying. Uh, um, you know, and so I, I think it's a, it's really interesting way to take a look at it. And especially, you know, from a perspective of there isn't really a two E game out yet. So I think this is the closest thing you can get to scratching that itch. Hmm. Um, at least in the digital realm right now, but that's my argument at least. Maybe uh, play it. Let me know what you think. But uh, yeah, Final Fantasy V, good game. Makes a lot of sense also because you're a very tactical player. So like the, oh, yeah. the job system and the flexibility of that <laughs> seems like that plays right into how you would like to play, right? I do. I just, I, I love being able to to mess with all the different buttons and levers and see what crazy things I can do. It's just fun. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that because that's... Uh, mm -hmm. There, I mean, there's whole communities of people that that's like the first thing they do with any new like game or anything is like, OK, let's start theory crafting. How can I break this? <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. What's the ultimate top build <laughs> to do eight billion points of damage or to be unassailable? <laughs> absolutely. Meanwhile, and I just want to find my one thing that I'm good at and do it over and over again. <laughs> I want to make rice over and over again. Hey, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes having a specialty is honestly even stronger. So, you know, that's that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, speaking of specialties, I'm going to do a, uh, I'm going to do a, a classic Rachel and have two because I forgot to mention one that, uh, is a big one point of my character. <laughs> ah, two classic Rachels. Uh, oh, two classic man. Rachels. Um, okay. Well, it's, it's two for two. Um, anyway. Um, so, uh, Octavius is a really interesting character from, uh, Tyrant's Grasp. And, uh, one of the huge inspirations for him was, uh, the new God of War series. Ah, uh, um, yeah. So I actually, oh, the writing in that. Yeah. I didn't mm -hmm. really like, um, the first God of War, um, you know, 
uh, like the original very, ones like the yeah. original one like kratos is very like angry i'm gonna do whatever i want ah, i'm here to get revenge on everybody for everything they've ever but done you can seduce women in a hot tub and that's pretty <laughs> rad it's like one time <laughs> um but i think that was what's inter- yeah what's interesting with the new ones is they took that very same character and mm-hmm. basically did like one change mm. all they really did is they said what if you had a son mm. right and was older well, yeah. he has to be older because of that. But the interesting thing with the new games is it changed that one thing and it completely changes the character. It changes his motivations. It changes like how he approaches problems. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see like the effect that you can have by just changing a couple of variables with a character. Um, mm-hmm. And he's a very big inspiration for Octavius because he's an angry dad who cares a lot about his child. And that was like the one thing that I was like, I want to do that with um, with Octavius. And uh, mm. it's it's very interesting because, you know, it's that those games are stellar. Um, they're stellar for the lore. They're stellar for the combat. Um, the dialogue is some of the most like heartfelt, like real dialogue um, that I feel like in games. Like there's a reason like Christopher Judge, who plays Kratos, got an award for mm. doing uh, Ragnarok, the second game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm a sucker for a game where the writing is like if you didn't catch it you didn't catch it you don't you know it doesn't change you can still enjoy the game mm-hmm. but if you yeah. catch it like there are these like subtleties in the writing and the lines that if you've played both games and you've paid attention there's mm-hmm. just like this very beautiful character like arc that happens mm. um apparently the whole thing is character arcs by the way uh by the way just <laughs> character arcs all, all video games we should have them um i don't know i'm just a sucker for good for good writing yeah, nothing wrong yeah. with that. The other the other thing that those games do so well is in the, the original God of War games, Kratos is tortured, but he is they don't really fully explore that in my opinion. Like he's they, just kind mm. of an F boy, you know, like well, he's, he's just an angry random dude. Who's you can basically say gods. with Kratos, he is anger and revenge. That is basically his characterization for the mm-hmm. most part. Um in mm. the in the new games, they go into and they deeper dive into just the kind of torture that he has gone through and like the sacrifices that he's had to make and like mm. how the how all of these things that he's done that are terrible have affected him and like it's it's just wonderful honestly like it's yeah. really solid writing of a character who is complex flawed you know but still has a good heart right mm-hmm. and that's kind well, of like that was why I was like I have to I feel like I have to pull some of this to make a really good you know angry dad well and it's also a look at like how do you stop that cycle? Like everybody yes. jokes about boy, right? Like he said, he calls mm. his kid boy all the time until he doesn't, which is amazing. But um, <laughs> I mean, that guy carries some trauma. How can he keep it from in fact impacting his kid? Well, first of all, he can't. Right. But, mm. and then how do you grapple with that fact? If you want to protect someone, but you're making these mistakes and you know, you're making them. Um, anyway, very good. All of that to say, very good. Very good. I agree. Very good. Yeah, so I uh, had to call that out. But um, the other one, the one that I actually had on my list to talk about, is the Mass Effect series. I'm not talking about Andromeda. Andromeda was something else. But the original Legendary legendary Edition, or whatever they call it now, of Mass Effect is honestly one of the most interesting game series to me for the characters. Because one, one thing that Mass Effect does really well is they do a good job of one, having consequences to video games, which I think is very in line with kind of like Dungeons and Dragons and um, Pathfinder stuff. People can die mm. in those games and it carries over into the next game and the next game and so on. 
Mm. Mm -hmm. And I've always found that to be a really interesting um, thing that they did that was made the world feel more real, right? There's actual consequences. The other thing they do really well is introducing new characters. So like one of the hardest things, honestly, for us is how are we going to introduce this new character in a way that makes sense? And Mass Effect does such a good job of it feeling very organic. Like there's a story around it that you meet these people. There's a there's a relationship that has to be built to get them to join the crew and, and so on and so forth. And I think that's like one of the most interesting things to, to kind of take away from those games is the idea that there are real consequences, that the stakes are high enough that people can and will actually die. And how do you recover <clears throat> from that? How do you rebuild the crew, rebuild the ship? Um, mm. You know, push through these these honestly, you know, challenges that should break a man kind of stuff. Um, you know, whether you play male Shep or Fem Shep, the the ensemble. You better play Fem Shep, okay? What are you doing? You know what? You the can play whoever you want. Is better. I'm just gonna say <laughs> people are free to play whatever they want. I'm not gonna judge you. I will um, judge you. Unlike yeah, unlike Jess, Jess will judge you. Um, but it's the idea of like the ensemble of how you build this team together and. You know, the, the killer thing with that is like the characters are just fantastic, right? Um, whether they survive or not, um, they always have very interesting like contributions to make. And I think it's a really good look at, you know, how we build our teams and like Pathfinder, right? Of, mm. you know, having somebody who is really good at, uh, you know, the sciency, intelligency kind of stuff, mm. having somebody mm. who's really good at the physical stuff, somebody who's more on the magic side, biotics. Having you know. Seth Green has your pilot. <laughs> First off, Seth Green is amazing. Um, yeah, Joker, so good. Yes, yeah, God, him and Joker is so good. Um, mm. But yeah, that's, you know, that's the interesting thing for me um, of that series is not, like, it's an amazing series from a gameplay perspective and a lore perspective. And, you know, this is my favorite ship, uh, favorite shop on the Citadel uh, levels of fun. But <laughs> the the consequences you don't find in a lot of games. Like, like Ross, you're mentioning Fire Emblem having that. Where, mm. Like, they're dead, they're dead. Like, it's kind of that's that same idea. That's what makes a game good is consequences. And yeah, and... Mm. That is a double-edged sword because I've heard horror stories of GMs that are like, there have to be consequences and things are just so harsh. Um, mm. Consequences doesn't mean punish players for doing things you don't like. <laughs> mm. Consequences no, means a, a logical outcomes of the choices the characters made. <laughs> yeah, like mm. a, good, a good example is, you know, hey, we need to assault this place. We could either sneak in or fight 150 people. The party chooses to fight 150 people. There's probably going to be consequences. Yeah, yeah, that's a choice yeah. the players like, made. That's you a choice the, the players made. It's one thing when it's yeah. that. It's another thing when it's rocks fall and everybody dies. Right? Yeah. Like that's that's the I think the difference that we're talking. I just about really is, hate the character you made, so I'm gonna like kill you. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a every, every monster will target you yeah. exclusively. But I'm the yeah. wizard. I don't care. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No matter what. Yeah. They'll, they'll just bypass the fighter and the cleric goes right yeah. to you. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Ooh, that's oh, a good man. question. Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah. We'll say right. that for well, the we have a lot of good questions that in does the chat. Bring us two questions. Ah, very well. So we have, yeah. I guess uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, we have in fact finished all of uh, what we were going to say, and there are quite a few good ones. So I guess I'll go on ahead and uh, read out these questions here. Of course, if you do have more that you want to add, uh, feel free to add them. Um, we'll be here for for a little while longer, so you know we got some time for this. And uh, thank you everybody for submitting questions as well. We do appreciate it. So uh, our first question in this case, and I will do my best to get everybody's screen names as good as I can. I apologize if it does sound a little odd, but uh, I will do my best. Uh, our first question comes from Morikel222, and the question is uh, two-part, actually. How much of your planned character arc do you discuss with your GM? 
And as a GM, how much do you take character arc into consideration when running the game? That's a really good question. Um, mm-hmm. As far as find the path, I don't think we talk extensively about it. We might mention it in conversation of kind of where we want the characters to go. But we, I mean, we talk about it because we talk about everything, but it's not like an official... It's not mm. like we write it down and officially submit it or anything. It's more just Rick happens <laughs> to be around when I'm talking about the character arc when we're talking about characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say like if we have shared character arcs, like um, you know being related or, or something like that, we probably will talk about that ahead of time mm. um, because that yeah. needs some coordination, especially like your backstories have to coordinate if you're like siblings or something like that. So or like you know, there's like I have a character who. Um, I just wanted to play a notice me senpai kind of a character who was like really <laughs> obsessed with someone. Um, and so I reached out to Rachel and I was like, Rachel, are you cool if I like have a huge crush on you and you mostly ignore me? And she was like, yeah. sure. Um, and so like that kind of stuff, you know, happens in the background with other players. Um, mm. And I think, you know, as a GM, Rick takes some like he will give you opportunities um, mm-hmm. if he knows what you're trying to accomplish. He'll give you opportunities. Um, to do the thing uh, whether or not you take them is up to you right yeah yeah um, and whether or not they're successful also sometimes depends on dice rolls or the circumstances sure. things like that yeah, definitely so just because love us yeah just because you have an idea for a character arc doesn't mean you're guaranteed like that's how it's gonna go but you know at the very least i think it's good to start with that <laughs> in mind you know and have an idea of kind of what you're looking to do it, it's kind yeah. of the same way where like we we come to rick with um like concepts of what we want to do and Mm. he sometimes will either make changes to npcs or give us guidance on hey you might actually want to be from this family because Mm. that might play into your arc better or play into the kind of character you're trying to build better yeah and like for homebrew for me the character arcs are kind of a really great way to just get some plot points for free (laughs) Mm, is like that's true. you know oh yeah I'm, I'm looking to find my long lost father and it's like okay I'm going to scribble that down and um, we'll schedule that in for act three you know or something yeah. like that <laughs> Yeah, well um, it's but, the difference between a story driven story and a character driven story or an event yeah, driven story and a character driven story I was going to say I, I prefer like for my homebrew stuff I prefer character driven stories um, I'll usually mm. have an overall arcing plot but I love doing the dives into characters and giving everybody their moment to shine so like me personally I'm going to be the person who's going to like hear what you want to do and say, all right, how can I work that in? Um, doing with adventure paths is a lot harder because adventure paths have a set story. Um, you can mm. tweak them somewhat, but you can't just all around be like, all right, I'm going to make the big bad guy. Um, it's not going to be um, some evil undead wizard. It's going to be um, your father. Well, that's right? why you like, ask Rick for NPCs. <laughs> You'll be like, hey, I need someone to be XYZ thing for me. I, I am the great, 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 great grandson of Tarbafon. Well, but I mean, maybe, maybe not that specifically, but. That guy never got laid. Rick is very good and. Wow. That explains so much. That's why he's so bad. I don't know. All right. All right. I just don't like Tarby and I'm being spicy about it. Well, I mean. Everybody's reaction in the chat is just like, Jess. Well, admittedly, Rick's you know, Tarbafon is a jerk. So. Oh my God! Somebody said Tarbasun. I love that. <laughs> but uh, to but rest. I can't. I can't look at this it chat. Is, 
It is interesting because when you are talking about uh, adventure paths, especially because a lot of adventure paths are more event event based because you can't be sure what characters are going to participate. You yep. know, you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, who's who's going to be there, what character they're going to exactly. bring, how engaged they're going to be with the story. Um, so, of course, it just has to be more event based. But that said, uh, Rick is really good at this. And it is yeah. something I try to do in my games, too, is that he does try to modify enough of the events where our characters are more ensconced in the storyline even if by default it's not necessarily that way he's very good at including that which yeah, I there's think a master cool. class in mummy's mask with citra that's all i'll say mm. oh my gosh yeah that one's really good honestly the tyrant's grasp ones are really good also um, true yeah those ones true. are super solid um even um beyond just the beginning of it like it mm-hmm. he finds ways to sprinkle in some stuff um that's really interesting like even when it feels like you know okay i've kind of had my arc like there's still like things he can you know he likes to put in that can kind of like push it a little bit if that makes sense. absolutely yeah uh so yeah and then from there let's go on ahead and uh head so yeah thank you for your question first of all and yeah, who, who uh, asked that uh that was morakel 222 so thank, thank you, you morakel nice and uh, our next question here comes from Bigger Frog, and mm, uh, mm. they ask, "What AP would you guys want as a Vermintide-inspired game?" Oh, oh gosh, Vermintide! <laughs> oh man. Speaking of good games, not not so much for character, just good games in general. Yeah, Vermintide's great. <laughs> I, I love a Left 4 Dead type game. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, Tyrus Grasp isn't a bad one. <laughs> yeah. Tyrus Grasp, I think, lends itself well to that sort of idea. Yes. Um, gosh, I'm I'm trying to think of something that has like a huge like just a just a swarm of stuff, right? Look, like Serpent Skull. Serpent Skull. I think like book one Serpent Skull could be really good, and then there's like some later books that are just a lot of the same thing that could work really nicely. For yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I have a cat that's constantly pushing against the door. Give me one second. <laughs> People want to see. see it. Yeah, um, let's see. Um, what are some other really interesting ones? I mean, funny enough, Left 4 Dead. Um, well, that's not an AP. If you're looking for something that has a very similar like vibe. Um, no, uh, APs. I'm trying to think of some other ones that have. All right. Here's Cleo, everybody. <laughs> Yay. We've hit, our, we've hit our cat quota. Yay. Um, Delightful. Look at that void. Um, so I think like one of the... This is going to be later. Like Legacy of Fire actually has a section where uh, they mm. do what's called cinematic combat. Oh um, yeah, that portion was really cool, and that oh, would yeah. be a very good like uh, example. Oh, somebody said Book Two of Mummy's Mask. Oh, actually, Book yeah, Two of Mummy's, Mummy's Mask, Mask is a lot of that too. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, Giant Slayer. I feel like would lend itself well oh, yeah, to that sort yeah, of yeah. thing. Oh yes, no Giant Slayer mm. probably be a good one. Yeah. What about Iron Fang Invasion? Uh, I haven't played I haven't, it, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, I haven't either, but I. It, from what I've seen in, like of it, it seems like it might make sense. Holy, Hobgo- Holy Hobgoblins, Batman? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh. But yeah, interesting. That was a very interesting question. So thank you, Bigger Frog. Appreciate that. And our next... Frog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Bigger Frog. Frog's son. Or Frog. <laughs> uh, my favorite character from Chrono Trigger. But... Uh, <laughs> oh, Frog. Love that guy. Uh, all right. So our next question comes from... Uh, Forcher, I think, or 4CH3R. Um, I don't know which way to pronounce it would be better, but uh, mm. they ask, yeah, Forcher. Uh, they ask, how do you decide which character archetype you are going to go with, like Dark Brooding, Weirdo, the Hero, etc.? Is that always a convo with the group or about the setting or maybe just how you feel? Hmm. For me, it always starts with okay, am I not going to be the weirdo this time? Oh, Archer. Would be good. <laughs> I was going to say, you default to the weirdo every time, yeah. I just am a weirdo, so it's hard. Um, That's fair. Hmm. Archer, yeah, that works. 
sorry. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I I just, I love playing the hero. I really do. Ross does um, like the hero. Yeah, you, you, you're I, a paladin, man. Like, I, I, I can't help it. That's how you it. are. Yeah, that's that's how you just are. who I am. No shame. I, I love it. Yeah. I like to be the spicy, ridiculous one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some I mean, of it is, you know, when we're playing with this group, we kind of know each other's vibes. And true. while we stretch and try to do things mm-hmm. we haven't done before, you know, every character has a little bit of who you are in them. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like Rachel's I mean, always like, a good person. You know, even if she's yeah, playing a yeah. mean person, she's a good person. <laughs> yeah. yeah and I don't, I don't really think about it like the five man band. Like, I'm not like, man, I want to play mm. a Lancer, you know, type character. Like, I'm genu- generally, I'm trying to play a specific type of character that I want mm. to explore. Like, that's usually based on something that I'm going through or like. That's interesting you know, for the game. story. That's in- And that fits the story really well. So. I don't usually think about it in terms of, oh yeah, I want to play the the weirdo or I want to play the uh, the hyper intellectual or anything like that. Mm. Like I think about it more in terms of my character, and then we kind of all come together, and then we start like working together. We we kind of will gel a little bit, but I don't really think yeah. honestly. Like we we've done this long enough that we don't really have like issues where we come in and we're like. Well, dang it, we can't both be the weirdo, right? Like that doesn't really like <laughs> that's not usually a thing that happens. Like well, we just and- gel really well. Usually if two players are playing kind of similar characters, they do it from different angles, um, mm-hmm. I feel, a yeah. lot of the time. Well, like um, like Darcy and Octavius are both very pessimistic, but approach it from mm-hmm. very different angles. True. Yeah. So, like that's I that's an example. So. Like I feel like we're kind of like maybe archety- like we're the pessimists of the party, but like we take it in very different like ways. Like yeah. she's much more sarcastic, Octavius is much more brooding, like Oh, even much more fatalistic in the case and of definitely Octavius, more fatalistic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and sometimes you're forced to play the uh, the sixth ranger um, <laughs> because your character dies, and so you uh, show up and you just happen to be like, "Well, I see what everybody else is doing here." Yeah, that does happen. There is, yeah, there is a certain advantage to being the person who has to come in like midway through, who's like had the the time to gel, and also it's a bit of a curse because it's hard to gel as good as the original gang sometimes. Hmm. I don't know. I've been super happy with any characters that I've had to bring in for the podcast. Um, it it depends. Verily, depends. Uh, it, it depends on the character, depends on the party. And sometimes it just depends on the situation. Sometimes yeah. it's easier or harder depending on where you are and what you're doing, really. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Uh, but I hope that that uh, answers your question. Um, we do. I, I think the setting is um, also sometimes what we take into account, but I think less so more so, more than just we trust each other at this point. Again, yeah, and we just kind of have a, a thing time. that we want to do and we kind of just, you know, do it. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so thank you, Archer, for uh, giving that. I did find out in the chat, uh, Archer is uh, is the way to pronounce that. So I will oh, do that a. going forward. Oh, okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I get it. I get what you're going for now. So uh, our next question here comes from Mirrorwolf9. So oh, yes. They have a twofold question and a bit of a reverse of the discussion. Uh, first, what game could you see one of your characters being in as the main character? And the second, what would be the wildest game for them to star in? <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's, I, I'd say let's each pick okay. one character. So oh, I think. Hmm. 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 That is I mean, that I is feel, a very good question. I feel like it's cheating to be like Octavius and God of War. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just too easy. Like that's way too easy. Um, I mean, I, I, I need leave to that do up to you. I need to do How something do more challenging. Um, All right. Hmm. Mm. I think um, if I had to go for it, I think Nicolo would thrive in a uh, Yakuza game. I think he'd do oh, really yeah. well oh, in yeah, a yeah, yeah, Yakuza for sure. game. Also, Nicola um, would be the person who wants to do all the side quests and help all oh, the yeah, people, no, like 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, the wildest, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the, the wildest game for him to star in, I'm going to go on ahead and say, uh, let's go with, let's go with, um, Stardew Valley. I think it'd be really weird <laughs> for Nicolo to like become a farmer and just start growing stuff. <laughs> what is that game that's like steampunk and dark and they have really big hands for no reason that anyone oh, can understand? Um, Dishonored. Dishonored. Mm, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't know why I had it as soon as you said they have comically large hands, but yes, they have weirdly large Their hands, hands are in that so game. Big. Okay, okay. I think Cypress would kill it in a Dishonored game. Um, yeah, I don't know why I, I feel like Cypress. Cypress would also do well in like a Hitman game. Because mm. mm. yeah, there's like infiltration that. in part of that. That might be an interesting one. I mean, what's really easy is any of them can do great in Baldur's Gate. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Oh, um, man. But Cypress would be absolutely the worst in um, Animal Crossing. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Where there's nothing to fight. There's no deception. Everybody's just being honest. You said there, that I honest. own how many of these bells? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Where did I sign this that says so? <laughs> oh, yeah, that man. would be pretty funny. Oh, Elsa would gosh. kill it in, in Animal yeah. Crossing, though. She'd have oh, a great yeah, no, she'd be great. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Um, I feel like Lucia would do really well in, like... I want to say like an Assassin's Creed kind of game, like, you know, mm. the kind of game where you're like, most of what you do is like going around and just like watching people and like, you know, being doing dramatic things, like diving off of uh, uh, things. So Lucia, <laughs> nice. yeah, she's, she's dramatic that way. Yeah, because yeah, she's dramatic. I, I feel like she'd enjoy and that. There's yeah. a certain amount of like the Assassin's Creed games are nothing, if not but like a, a weird amount of art artistry to the mm. to the games. So um, that'd be kind of an interesting one. Um, also, she's like naive enough to not be scared about how how overwhelmed oh, syndicate. she is. Syndicate would oh, be yeah, her Syndicate would be good. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, proven by the bridge incident. Yes, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not bitter, honestly. I've, I've had enough time yeah. to heal. Um, <laughs> uh, Lucia would do the absolute worst in... It's a game that requires a lot of improvisation because she'd be really bad at that. Mm. Um, DDR. <laughs> actually, she'd probably be good at that. I mean, she'd actually probably be pretty good yeah. at that. She's pretty dexterous. Um... I'm trying to think of a game that you'd mm. be terrible at. Chad, help me out. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like um, she would get tripped up in a game like, um, oh, what's the investigative game oh. um, from Rockstar? Um, oh, I L.A. Noir. L.A. Noir, yeah. Yeah, yes. I like, okay, yeah. I, I feel like she would just be like, go for the most dramatic option every time. Yeah, it's she, like wouldn't sometimes... be, she wouldn't be asking the right questions because she's yeah. too busy being like, you did it, didn't you? It was so you. you. You're in here for the interrogation. You had to do it. It's 100% your fault. Yeah. Ooh, Disco Elysium. Oh, Disco Elysium. Yeah. 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 Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, uh, any, any, like, any of those match three games or anything mm. like that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you for the question, Mirror Wolf 9. I think that was pretty <clears> cool. That was fun. Um, our next question here comes from J Train 1, uh, which the question is. When Rick changes an AP or playing, like switching out a monster or rewriting a scene, does he tell you after the fact that the what the real scene slash monster was? Sometimes. Um, sometimes, yeah. I, I feel like it depends a lot on what he's trying to accomplish. So if it is like something that he's sort of plot hooked in as a later thing, he won't necessarily mention not it. Not until you get there. Yeah, not until you get there. But as a one-off thing, like if it's just like, oh yeah, no, I changed this monster to something I felt was more interesting, then he'll just Yeah, or like I cut... Yeah these things because they were whatever yeah, yeah a lot I of the conversations like... honestly like if we talk about like how the pod's doing like pacing and things like that it mm. comes down to 
he'll change things that he either doesn't think work um mm -hmm. like doesn't doesn't fit the setting or something like that or he tends to cut things that um aren't narratively interesting mm -hmm. um so like if it's like you walk into a room and you fight uh three skeletons and then you walk into the next room and three skeletons and you walk into the next room and three skeletons he's like that's boring i'm gonna make one of those zombies or something like that yeah you know, or like, you yeah. know cut or cut an encounter or just cut or it something. entirely yeah because that's the other yeah. thing is like sometimes he'll cut stuff because he's like the pacing of this i don't like it it feels like it's a little a little buggy well, there are definitely mm. um also situations where we've played entire aps thought that's how they were and then um, try to talk about them either on a stream or whatever and Rick's like oh I added all of that none of that's in the AP <laughs> yeah okay yeah like, Legacy, Legacy of Fire, Fire might so be different. the number one that he mm. changed everything about that like the game changed was completely different like the, the story yeah. beats were a lot the same but like he changed we got basically cool from items the beginning. that didn't exist yeah we, we, he gave us items that didn't exist yeah. story that didn't happen like he put a lot of work into that There's... to make it like really really different as somebody who ran um, Legacy of Fire, and I don't want to get too much into the story because, of course, spoilers, but um, as somebody who ran Legacy of Fire largely as is, I highly approve of a lot of the stuff that he was doing for mm. y'all. So I'm glad that he ran you through that. It was our first AP, so I guess he wanted it to be good so we'd keep playing. Yeah, I think, I, honestly, <laughs> one of the ones that I ask him a lot on is Hell's Rebels because he's doing that mm. conversion of it and oh, yeah. being like, so what? So how did you change that? Like, because I'm always, mm. I'm just interested in the change, choices he made to give them, like, what abilities and things like that. I always think that's very interesting. Anytime uh, he tells us he made the monster, I'm always a little scared. <laughs> Sometimes he's a little nervous too, right? Like he's we talked about that in Hell's <laughs> Rebels. Like, he's like, I really hope I balance this right or I'm TPKing you. <laughs> like, oh man, not again. No, yeah, no. no um, <laughs> yeah, there are there are times, honestly. Um, a lot of times if we've had a really hard fight, that's also when we're like, wow, what is up with that monster? And like, he'll just mm. be like, that's just what's in the book, you know? Yeah, sometimes um, that is just how it is. And be, that's just how yeah. it is, right? Yeah. Um, so, All right. yeah awesome uh so yeah thank you for the question j train we do appreciate it and our next question is another one from archer um asking uh, have any of you managed to have your character change mechanically along with character arc i.e going from frontline to ranged or marshal to caster or something along those lines yes so, yeah yeah i was gonna say yes for for jess uh in particular i'd say it's a lot of times it's really hard um mm -hmm. Because it's hard for that drastic of a shift. For that drastic of a change, you have to go through the whole retraining mechanics, and retraining like that takes forever. Um, it takes a really, or really long time. Or you have to multiclass. Or you have to multiclass, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. that's what, like, Cypress is multiclassed into Rogue fully because her character is to find the best, most survivable outcome of any situation. And because the group she was in didn't have a Rogue, she was like, well, I guess I better start reading about how to be a Rogue. Yeah. Um, but then also, like, I mean, I think even in the pod, we've had alignment changes. Mm. Uh, I, yeah. I will. Um, this we was, haven't had somebody uh, go from, like, fighter to wizard. I, I actually did have uh, an interesting. This is the closest I think I've ever gotten. Um, but I played in Kingmaker, a cloistered cleric of Serenre. Um So, you know, in this case, it was first edition. So she was very much... Um, you know, like you don't get the armor proficiencies, really. You don't get a lot of the weapon proficiencies, things like that. Uh, I went from Cloister Cleric of Serenre to um, the Holy Vindicator mm. uh, and oh, took that prestige yeah. class, which just slaps on all of the armors, all of the martial weapons, like all of this stuff. So she went from like spellcaster in the back who heals people to I'm waiting into the front line with a giant armor class and like trying my best to like, you nice. know, just radiate 
holy energy out from me basically so yeah that that's, was a, fun. that's a pretty big change because usually it's the opposite with you're playing like a cleric mm. or something is i start having to be in the front line because i'm out of spells and i need to help and then it becomes okay i'm right behind the fighter and i'm blasting off like all these like area spells and things like yeah. that so yeah, yeah. Hey, lucia had a shift yeah. lucia shifted from swashbuckler to fighter still frontline fighting though yeah i was about to say both yeah. are still frontline for sure but and yeah. boy am i glad i did because man lucia kills it yeah. fighters Loving apparently it. it's just a thing you should apparently play. i just i just kill his fighters i don't know why in 2e yeah. I, it's the weirdest thing i just have like this weird like my dice luck just magically improves i don't know what it is <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so thank you archer for your question i do um it is interesting and it is definitely one of those things that's cool when you can pull it off i think it's just it can be difficult sometimes yeah i mean but... mechanically like it requires you to be in an ap where you can take some downtime Definitely. Like a lot of downtime. Could sometimes. be fun though. Yeah. I mean, it could also sometimes again, it depends on like prestige class or but yeah, there's there's there are ways to do it, but they're challenging and they're usually you have to plan for it mm -hmm. um quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh and our next question here comes from uh absolute turnip. And uh mm, so absolute. this question Yes, I know. You I still love that. Turnip, you. <laughs> uh, but this question is: uh, What part of the five-man band do you prefer playing? Uh, Six Ranger is also a valid answer. I don't so... prefer playing that. That's one of those you sometimes have to play that. <laughs> yeah, because there's I mean... five. There's five other players, and you're number six. <laughs> well, or you died, and now you bring in a new character. Make me look up all the. Hey, people I feel like I'm band. technically the uh, the Six Ranger of Find the Path. So there we go. <laughs> In real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, Ross, I, what's your favorite? I mean, is anybody going to be surprised if I say, like, the leader? Because no, nobody's that surprised. No. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like... I mean, Looking at the TV trope site right now, you would be mm. the, uh, what is that, standardized leader or the Kirk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with either of these. That sounds fun. Oh, man, that's pretty great. I, I like to play the, the foil, the lancer, but I also like to play the brains, so... Mm gonna say i i also like playing the brains which is funny because i usually mm. don't on the pod <laughs> you do always play um, dumb on the pod yeah i really always yeah, oh, like cornelius, cornelius, cornelius is the, that's is the true. exception cornelius but is um yeah yeah i uh i like playing um yeah i'd say i i don't do well at being the lancer because i'm not confrontational really mm. um so that's always a challenge and playing the heart can be kind of weird because like Rachel's always the heart anyway. I, I was going to say, also, I'm just not that, like, super positive of a person, you know? Mm. Like, I will say when I play a cleric, I tend to play the heart. Um, true. Yeah, that, yeah. that kind of seems to go hand in hand a lot of times. Um, yeah. Octavius is not the heart. <laughs> no, no, probably not. <laughs> no, I think Rose is the heart. No, yeah, I was going to say, it's, yeah, it's got to be Rose Does the that heart. party have a heart? heart. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Rosamund has a heart. <laughs> That's true. Goodness. Rose is the heart. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So, so brains yeah. for you. That's your favesies. Uh, yeah, you probably. Never play it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. it's okay to play against types sometimes, that's too. True. Yeah. Sometimes that's more fun. Um, yeah. And then, so thank you very much, Absolute Turnip, for uh, for your question. We do appreciate it. Uh, let's you know what's see good? Here. None of us said we like playing the chick. <laughs> I always play a chick. Yeah. I need a really good reason to play a dude, even in video games. You have to give me a real good reason. Like Fair not enough. having the option <laughs> to play a guy. Sometimes I just won't play that game. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You do that. Mm. But uh, yeah, I could see Darcy being a vibe kind of heart too. Definitely. Oh, for sure. I mean, she cares about everyone. It's just she's, you know, yeah. spicy. She's, she just has an odd way of showing it, but that's fine. Well, yeah, that's, that's, what... the, that's the thing is she's like, you know, very spicy, but she's going to do everything she can to keep you alive. Yeah, I think Absolutely. Elsa was the heart. Mm. Elsa was definitely like more of the like probably true mm. heart. Um, Octavius is kind of, I guess, the big guy. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, so thank you very much, Absolute Turnip, for your question. And our next question here uh, comes from Calieri. So Calieri wants to know, um, let's see here, how much gameplay happens off-camera microphone that we're not hearing? And do you all spend the week between recording chatting behind Rick's back to come up with your strategy? I don't um, think I any think gameplay happens, but we do I chat. I think we've only, we've only done the strategizing thing like maybe once or twice. Mm. Um to try to figure things out. I came up out. with a couple of ideas off screen for War for the Crown. Um, but I did explain it in character. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we, we have we have the relationship with Rick where we are not like, it's not a- adversarial, right? So like no. talking about our plans does not mean he's going to immediately change what he's going to do to try to like stop mm. it or anything like that, right? He'll even give us some suggestions of things we could try um, at times, right? Like he's very much like about helping us through it. So um, it's not dangerous shall we say to uh to talk about our tactics or anything like that um we Although used sometimes to talk I a lo- save my spells because there is a special joy in surprising rick because i feel like he's not surprised all that often so it <laughs> yeah. is kind of fun to be like but you didn't know i could do this anytime anytime you can cause a good five second pause uh on rick is a is a victory yeah because he has yeah. to think about what to do next that's fun yeah that's a fun time. although you guys probably don't see that because that gets edited down but well, of course, um, of course rick never has to pause he always knows what to yeah, do. yeah one we don't role play outside of uh the recordings um so that absolutely yeah. doesn't happen except for the pre-game thing that we did for war for the crown sure, yeah the war, but... the war for the crown thing was one of the only times we did um mm. we uh we pro- probably have a lot of stuff that we do like conversations and things get trimmed down so like there that could technically be like off air um type stuff mm. but that's up to rick in the editing um, we yeah. used to actually do after we played our games, we used to go get lunch and, you know, or dinner or whatever and like talk about mm-hmm. the, the game and how it went and do the strategizing and all of that stuff. We don't do that as much anymore. Um, no, well, we don't well, play in person because we don't play in person. Yeah, yeah. And we I mean, I live further away from you all now. And uh, yeah, you know, and like Heather's like still that, an so. hour away. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we don't really do that as much as we used to. But, yeah, it's not uncommon for us to be in the middle of doing like our sound checks that we do before every episode. Rick's sitting mm-hmm. there making sure everybody's leveled out and we're sitting there going, all right, how are we going to make ourselves survive this fight? quick everyone yeah. what, what are your the- what are your theories for what this puzzle could be you know like th- th- <laughs> we do a little bit of that but um yeah we try to keep as much of it on the air as possible just because and, like part of part of the part of doing this actual play is like you guys getting to see how we solve the problems and if we do that off air and just come in with a solution then you never get to the fun of getting to see like how a group figures out some of this stuff like it's yeah. kind of like you get like the 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 ending of the things that happened off air and we don't like, really like we to do, do that we do still like to, you know, when we come up with a plan, when we didn't talk about it on air, we, we still do have go back the moment where it. the character or at least the character talks about it or we talk about it like, yeah, you know, this is what we're going to do now. So that mm-hmm. way you don't miss it. You know, it's not like, oh, this came out of absolutely nowhere. You know, it's just like, no, we, we did talk about it. And so we do try to make sure to to keep you all in on it because, you know, that's more exciting. Yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, like uh, someone uh, absolute turnip in the chat. Um, sometimes you get some of those off-air type chat things in the in the post. Oh, true. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those scene. usually tend to be more humorous, but they are fun. So we yeah, hope like you all Jordan enjoy that. Like Jordan bleeds his blood, or I say Elvis instead of elf ish, elvish, <laughs> or any of the times that you do the wrong accent because that. Oh my a lot. god! I, I can't do I my accent. I don't know if that uh, if those make those in the outtakes because I don't. I hate the sound of my own voice, so I don't listen to them. But <laughs> I almost always do Cypress all the time. I don't know why. It's very weird. Yeah, you're it very stuck on that sometimes one. But, Elsa, um, or not Elsa. Sometimes uh, Atria will be Cypress for a minute, and I'll say a whole thing that I thought was cool, and then Rachel or whoever will be like, 
why is Cypress here? <laughs> like, yeah, I wonder if Rick w wishes we did more of it off screen because like there there are times where we'll have like a 20 minute discussion on something and then he has to cut that down into five. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and also, uh, yeah, the, the puzzle solving. Rachel is truly ridiculous. Oh, you, you, uh, yeah, we solve the puzzles a lot faster it. in the actual episodes than it actually takes us, um, yeah. <laughs> for no. sure. Rachel, no. you remember well, that one Rachel, puzzle? Yeah, it was like, oh, bam, yeah. she had the answer. Oh yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, no, there's definitely yeah. been times where she's like, like that wasn't edited. It. That was absolutely how fast it took her. <laughs> yeah, she really no, likes those logic puzzles a lot. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of times where it's like, um, the discussion just it goes too long. We might start getting into some circular mm. arguments, and like that's going to get cut down because yeah. like that's just not fun no to listen to, to right? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, to hear that. yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so thank you very much for your question, Calieri. Um, we do hope that that, uh, that helped. And then our uh, next and last question at the moment, unless uh, somebody else does want to add some more. Um, I think, I we think have last a little is good. Work it on time. Yeah, okay. Um, so our last question then comes from uh, Morikel222, uh, who asks, did you ever kill off your character because you were so inspired to play a different character that you really, really wanted to play them? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> I, not. Yeah. I have not done I have had a character exit, but that wasn't because of a backup character. Um, mm. It's just not great form because you can put the rest of the party in danger for trying to get yourself killed. It's mm. also, it's a disservice to that character. Like, you know, yeah. we're the kind of role players who really care about our characters. It's a real disservice to this character to just be like, well, I'm bored of playing this person. I guess it's time for me to uh, jump in front of a train and get my new character going, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that is... Like, that is that's not something the character's going to do. So that's you putting like your, you know, your thumb on the your, scale. Your thumb basically. on the yes. scale. Yeah, that's a good, a yeah. good way of looking exactly. at it. I have, I have had characters leave because they maybe didn't fit into the party um, mm -hmm. or something happened that it made sense for them to leave. But I've yeah. never been like, yes, I am so sick of playing this character that I just want to be done with it. Period. Well, it's more about yeah. being excited about the next character, I think is the question. So, yeah. for example, I, mean, I don't do backup characters. That's how I can never be excited. I <laughs> usually don't do backup characters, but I did for Hell's Rebels, and I love my backup character in Hell's Rebels, mm. and I may never get to play him, but that's okay, um, because I also <laughs> really love Adria. Yeah. So that's just, I just, I was paranoid because, first of all, I don't usually lose characters except apparently in recorded games. I <laughs> You you actually have, have not lost luck. a character before the podcast started. <laughs> Mm. Um, so that's a whole thing. So now I'm paranoid and I always have a backup character. So while I love <laughs> my backup character idea for Hell's Rebels, I also love Adria and uh, don't want her to mm. die. So I just live in a world where sometimes I think about that other character and I've built them and they're they're there, you know, but yeah. uh, Adria needs to live forever. So I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, I, I can definitely understand being excited about a new character, but I feel like a lot of times that's a situation where if you would rather play somebody else, you know, that's something you can work out with, you know, the group and with your GM and just be like, hey, you know, like, this character's fun, but I'm really interested in moving on to a different one. You know, what do you all say if I switch over? And yeah. I mean, I think most groups are going to be chill with that. Yeah, that's know? the like, thing is, like, it's it's one thing to do it as part of a plan, right to, mm. to exit that yeah, character in a way that GM. makes sense to the story with the gm with the other players it's another to kind of unilaterally decide that on your own um yeah you're supposed to be having fun and if you are not having fun talk to the gm and you can work something out yeah and if, if there's, if if there's, there's one your thing character, we, we, we preach yeah. communication <laughs> yeah and i mean like if, yeah if you're if you're not having fun with your character then yeah you absolutely should switch over but you still like the game then yeah you should absolutely switch your character over just make sure that you know everybody is on board and you're good so yeah mm -hmm. 
Um, but uh, that said, um, I do not see any other questions in the chat. But even then, I think we are um, actually time. creeping up on the end of our time here. So, uh, yeah, thank you all, everybody, for giving us your questions. We do really appreciate it. And, of course, uh, feel free to reach out to us on Discord or on Reddit. Um, I think we still have a, a Twitter account. I refuse to call it X. Uh that's um, why everybody so. says X, formerly Twitter. <laughs> we have all the social uh, medias, technically. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, any of the social medias, feel free to reach out to us if you have questions. Uh, we may or may not be able to answer them, depending on the nature of the question, especially if it's like, you know, for future things that we may or may not um, know yet. Uh, but that said, um, definitely feel free to reach out and we'll we'll do our best. So, yeah. Alrighty. And I guess until next time, good luck, Pathfinders. Good Bye, luck out there, folk. Path folk. I did it. You're Thank you so much for joining us. You just did it. All right.